popped out. I mean, it was this excruciating pain. And I've been guilty of wearing my, if you wear contacts, you know this, I've been guilty of wearing my contacts too long. Uh, but this was not the case. And so I knew something was different. I couldn't see. Uh, I couldn't even open my eye. It was just bright. The, the any light was excruciating. Um, so I lived in, uh, Melissa called the back cave for all week. <coughs> I've been just um, in darkness. Hello, darkness, my old friend. has been my theme song uh, for this last week. I mean, it, it's been rough. And um, Melissa threatened to get the trio to sing uh, Ask the Blind Man. He saw it all for me. And I mean, it's a jokes galore. You know, first service was great because if you don't know, I'm coming off a of knee surgery. So I had knee surgery. Now I have an eye infection. And uh, first service is like, you belong to us, right? And so that's like, they're my people now because of this. And so it's just, I'm falling apart. I mean, Sound Booth was saying I need to be assisted living. And Melissa feels like she's been my assisted living nurse for the past month, probably. And so it's just been, it's been crazy. But uh, thank you guys for all your prayers and uh, all the all the thoughts and prayers. We appreciate it. But um, I'm doing well now. I, light is now my friend again. So it's not bad. And so things are well. Hey, this morning what we're doing, and if you haven't been with us, what we love to do, and I love to do, I, you, you don't have a choice, but I, I love doing it. But I love preaching through a book of the Bible. We, we pick a book of the Bible, and we just walk through it. And we walk through it because it's very important to me. Biblical literacy is very important to me. And I want to make sure you guys know the Word of God. Because remember, the, the two important things that I think you can take away from the Bible is, is who is God and who are you? And foundationally, if you nail those two, life is going to be so much better for you. And so what I think is when we walk through Scripture like this, it helps you understand who God is and who you are. And even like this morning, we're being in Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through 20. Now, if you just read through that, I'm going to read through it here in a second. And as we read through it, you're going to be like, huh? It's one of those portions, like if you're doing your Bible reading and you read through it, you're like, okay. And you don't really give much thought. And so today what we're going to do is we're just going to break it apart and see what it means to us because it's very impactful where Paul's going to take us. And what we're going to see today is, is Paul's going to get very relational with this. Because up to this point, he's, he's been very technical, right? But now he, he comes, here comes all these emotions, all this rationale, all this practical talk. And he's talking about relationships within the church. And so this is what I want to look at. Read it with me now and... It's funny, though. So first service always gives me a hard time about my slides not being big enough. So I, I blew them up. But now I don't mind them being this big at this point. So I relate to first service more and more. So verse 8, formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. This is very important because I want you to remember this because we're going to reflect back on this because Paul's pointing to a very specific thing in the Galatians' life, okay? Verse 9, but now that you have come to know God, and I love this, right? This is when you know God, right? Because people know of God, right? But look what it puts it next. Or rather, to be known by God. Oh, come on. That should fire you up this morning, right? You can know God, but that God knows you? Are you kidding me? I love that. To rather to be known by God. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Whose slaves you want to be once more. I mean, Paul, you see, he's very emotional here. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I have labored over you in vain. 
Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much, much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you make much of them. It's always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, for who I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. So what you need to see, there's a lot of confusing stuff right there, but what, let me set this up for you. So we understand Paul went to the area of Galatia, right? And we're talking to the Gentiles, and this is a new thing for the Gentiles, right? The Jews have always had the gospel, but now Paul's bringing it to the Gentiles, which is life-changing, especially for you and I, because we're considered Gentiles, right? And so Paul's bringing it to them, and he brings it to them, and they love the gospel. I mean, they're so excited about the gospel. They're like, you mean there's a father, right? We talked last week, are you a, a son or a slave? Because whichever one you identify, your God is either your father or your master. So are you a son or are you a slave? If you're a son, God is a father to you, Right? But if you're a slave, God is like master. And we know, some of us know that relationship, don't we? That you do this, this, and this. If you don't do this, and then you're going to be, you know, if you don't, you don't attend the Sunday school, if you don't get that 30-year Sunday school pin, you're out. You know, I'm sorry, but you're done for, right? And so some of us, we know that. We, we grew up in that kind of relationship where you can have dominoes, cards, bowling alleys, wherever the devil, you know, and that, that's, that, that's a thing. Growing up like that, that makes you see God as a master. And you don't want to displease your master. You serve your master. And if you don't do well, your master's mad at you. If you do well, your master's happy with you, right? But we understand that's not the relationship God has for you and I. He views us as sons and daughters, right? And so now the Galatians are understanding us, and they are happy as all get out. But then there's some good church folk that come along, right? Some good church folk come along and say, well, you know, you're not doing it right. You know, you're still doing this, this, and this, and if you do this, 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 this will make sure you're right with God. And the Galatians are like, okay. And so here Paul's writing this. Now you see Paul's so frustrated. He's like, are you kidding me? Haven't you had that experience before where we've had a conversation or you, you tried to implement something and everybody's just shaking their heads like bobbleheads? And the next time you turn around, it's like still the same. You're like, what in the world is going on? You try to do something, they say, yeah, I agree with you. And then they told, do the total opposite. You're like, are you kidding me? This is what Paul's facing right now. Paul went to him, gave him the gospel. They're all sunshine and roses. He turns away. He goes to another city. These other... Good church folks step in, and they're like, okay. This is why, this is what you see a frustrated Paul right now, right? He's like, are you kidding me? This is why this is anguish. And he's talking about, so what we're going to focus on this morning is relationship with God, right? Understanding that. Because if we get that, 
our relationship with people flow out of that. And that's where we need to be. Because we're called to be light, right? And this is one great opportunity for all of you who say, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not this. I'm not that. If I can just get them to church, I can just get them through these doors. If I just get them to talk to pastor, this is for you. Because you've got something simple that you can do. And we're going to talk about this morning when it comes to relationships. And when it comes to relationships, there's two I want you to see this morning, right? And so a God-created relationship and then a Satan-created relationship. God-created relationship is a grace-based relationship, right? Everything flows out of that grace. Satan likes to create law-based relationships. And again, when we're talking law, I want you to think of, um, I gave a few examples, but like requirements, you know, like, you don't know if you ever, some of you may have grew up in a church where um, nobody was allowed on a stage that didn't have a suit and tie. You know, I grew up like that. I grew up in a church where nobody was allowed on a stage with facial hair. I'm glad we changed that one, right? The suit and tie deal, Mike's showing me up today. He's got slack pants and a dress shirt on, and we're like, so my son told me that. I'm like, no, that wasn't Mike. That, that couldn't be Mike, right? But those things, those are like, so when we talk law, think of those things. These, 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 these things we, remember we say we add to the gospel, right? We present the gospel, we say, but you also got to do this, and you got to do this, you got to look this way, you got to wear jean skirts. I mean, we, we do crazy things with the gospel, right? And so when I thought law, think of those things, right? And so Satan likes that law-based relationships, right? Because they become what? They become domineering. They become overbearing. But when grace, grace-based relationships, they build you up, right? They don't beat you down. Because grace-based relationships, they start with love. It starts with mercy. It starts with compassion. So relationships are either based in grace or based in law. And that's really what Paul is arguing for in this section of Scripture this morning. And Paul, Paul knows this because Paul came from law-based relationship, didn't he? We know this to be true. We knew law, law was... Paul's forte, right? So much so that he enforced the law, right? And to death, he would enforce the law. And so Paul knows this relationship. But now, guess what? Because of grace, right? Because of mercy. Paul now, now knows a grace-based relationship. And he believed that his relationship with God was more like a, a, a father-son than a master-slave. And then he met Jesus, right? And so we're so excited about that. And so what do we mean by grace-based? And think of it like this. If Jesus, it's Jesus' work for you and through you. That's grace, right? Grace is that Jesus was perfect, so we don't have to be, right? Grace was that Jesus died, so you don't have to beat, beat yourself up. Grace was that Jesus forgives, so what? So you can live a forgiven life. Now we have this new nature inside of us because we're living this grace-based life. Now we have a new power inside of us called the Holy Spirit to live this grace-based life. So that means we're a new person. We have new desires. We have new relationships. We have new outlooks. That means we're changing. Why? Because God is working in you and through you. Amen? Oh, come on. That was even weak for the youth after youth camp week. Come on. Amen? Come on. My goodness. So now, what are we going to do? Because we're living this grace-based life, we're going to forgive people. Why? Because we were forgiven, right? We're going to love people. Why? Because we were loved. We're going to be gracious toward people. Why? Because God's gracious toward us. Amen? Amen. 
And so we have this, we understand this grace-based relationship with God, our Father. But how many can testify, you probably don't want to raise your hand on this one, but when it comes to our relationship with people here on earth, that grace base is a little bit harder, isn't it? Because it's a little bit harder to forgive because you don't know what they did, Pastor. It's hard to be gracious when they're trying to take credit for something I did, Pastor. But it's it, and so, so then that grace base, we, it doesn't really translate to a lot of our earthly relationships sometimes. That's where we can get in trouble. But grace is Jesus' work for you, in you, and through you, right? That's what grace is, through you, so it can affect those around you. Now, the opposite of that is law-based, overbearing, high control, beating you up, right? And so Paul is passionate because he was law-based. He met Jesus, now he's grace-based. He went to a town called Galatia, an area called Galatia. He told everybody about Jesus and the grace of God, and they received the grace of God, right? They loved Paul. Paul loved Jesus. They loved Paul, and they're one big happy family, right? But then, again, these, these false brothers arrive. And what they say is basically, hey, grace-based relationships are over, and now we're going back to law. And they start putting demands and expectations and rules on these, other, on these people, right? But then what do they do? They themselves, they take that law, and then what do they do? They start putting it on other people. It's like you, you take that and say, you go to your friends and say, hey, guess what? We got to do this. That's what's happening here. And all the people just start going with it. And then they start putting them on Paul. And it ruins their relationship with God and with each other and with Paul. And so what we're seeing, it's a crisis in the church family and affects all the family. And so Paul gives us a couple of lessons this morning for grace-based relationships. And where we need to start is it needs to start by being intentional about being a means of grace. You and I, outside these four walls, we have to be intentional about being a means of grace. I get grace from Jesus, so now how do I give it to you, right? And so we're going to talk practical about some relationship advice for you this morning, right? And so to think practically, I, you think in your own head, you, I'm sure there's somebody in your life that maybe your relationship is a little struggling or maybe a little strained this morning. And maybe then the, the, the position that you're going to have to do something about it, right? And so here's some things to consider when you're going through that as a grace-based approach to this, right? First question you need to ask yourself, is this an issue that you need to talk about? Because again, human nature, law-based, would say absolutely. They need to make sure that I know what they did, Right? And so when you say, ask yourself, is this a discussion that needs to take place? When we hit the grace break, right? Maybe it's something that you forgive and you forget. Maybe it's not a conversation you need to have at all. Maybe you just pump the brakes and say, you know what? Something I need to forgive and forget and move on. Because the Bible says that love is not easily offended. The Bible says that love does not keep a record of wrongs. Maybe it's something you need to forgive and forget. 
again, these are practical things. As a pastor, I want to give you as many tools. And here's why this is important. Because we get grace-based relationship from our Father to us. But if we can get it from us to those around us, that shows them the light. That shows them the love of God without even quoting the 16 fundamentals of the same as God with two scripture references. That shows them the love of Christ. Because when you react to somebody in grace, come on, they can't believe it, can they? Because how do they expect you to react? Mad, angry, coming at them, throwing them under the bus? That's what they expect. So you, you return in grace? It takes them back, doesn't it? Have you ever done that? It's like, they're like, whoa, what? Oh. They don't understand what you're doing. And so when you forgive and you let it go, they're like, whoa, I don't understand this. And so then, how do you communicate them? Do you do, you do it by means of grace or do it by means of law? Because when somebody sins against you, it feels like they're bringing a law to you, Right? It's like they're holding you accountable for something. They, they've done something. They've wronged you in a certain way. You feel, you feel that judgment on you, right? And so it's just naturally we want to respond in the same way, right? We want to give them more law back. And so instead of the question is, it should be, how do I show them grace? How do I give them grace? And Paul decides this is a very important question. And so he's asking himself these questions in the text this morning. He's like, okay. This is something I need to address, or I need to forgive and let it go. No, this is, this, you're talking about somebody's salvation, so I need to address this. So Paul said, yeah. Uh, and then Paul says, you know what? This is so important, I need to be the one to address this. But in, in Galatians 4, we see that Paul decides that he is a means of God's grace. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 4, 29. says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. So how many of you, when you're frustrated, or your relationships are bothered, you say things you shouldn't say. Now, I know, I'm sure none of you do. That's just me. But when you get fired up, sometimes we tend to say things we don't mean, right? And what happens is, is I love this one. They're like, well, I just need to unburden myself. Come on, be honest. What you mean is you just want to place your burden on somebody else in that moment, right? You just want them to know, you know how they wronged you. And so... Here comes Paul and he says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only says the good things to build it up. Law-based does what? Beats people up. Grace-based builds people up. Grace-based communication also gives you what? It gives you grace to hear, right? Grace to actually hear that person you're communicating with. Grace to actually sit down and have a conversation with that person. Gives you grace to take a moment, take a breath, doesn't it? Now, I want you to think back again to that person that this fires you up like nobody's business. Maybe your neighbor, maybe that person at the cafe or Walmart or a coworker or a relative. Now, think when you're fired up and you're, you're sitting here like, okay, pastor, say in that moment you want me to pump the grace break and ask how would grace respond? I know some of you are thinking, oh, that's impossible, <laughs> right? Because when you're heating the moment, you're just going to, it's, it's, it's going off, right? It is impossible. So what you need in a moment, you need a miracle. And that miracle is called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is sitting there saying, tap me in. 
You know, lean on me. This is my moment to shine. Let me show grace in a way that you can't show grace. Why? Because it's not within us. So that's why we rely heavily on a miracle that God has given us. He said, don't do anything. Don't go minister to the disciples. He said, don't go anywhere until you receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he knows. He knows this world is incredibly frustrating. He knows that people can be incredibly challenging. The doctor told me, and I doctor said, I said, well, how do I, you know, how do I make sure this doesn't happen again? He said, just eliminate all stress in your life. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know what I do for a living. I deal with people, you know. And so, but it's that grace that the Holy Spirit, right, takes over when we don't have the power to. It's like the Holy Spirit, it, so if you, if you do it, it's not going to end well. But the Holy Spirit steps in. It's going to work out for you every time. Why? Because by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to give you grace to give to them to grace. Holy Spirit wants to give you the grace to treat them the way that Jesus treated you. And that's the miracle in that moment. So the first question, how can I be a means of grace? Or how can I present this in a gracious way? Or, or how can I bring you to live in the grace of God, right? So Paul's trying to show them, listen, grace, relationship with your father, grace, relationship with those others around you. One important thing he wants to point out this morning to you is not to overlook the demonic, okay? Not to overlook the demonic. And as soon as I say that, I'm sure some of you stood up. Some of you were asleep, now you're awake. We're going to talk about the demonic world, right? But it's, it's very serious. And how many of you are frustrated? When, you, when you're frustrated with somebody, you forget that there's an unseen realm in life, okay? So there's two realms, one reality. There's the world that we see and the world we don't see. The world we see is filled with human beings, and then there's another world that's filled with spirit beings, and we as Christians, we know that these two worlds interconnect, right? And so that's why Paul's saying in verses 8 and 9, he says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that were by nature not gods. But now you have come to know God, or rather be known by God. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? This is what he's talking about. He said the, these Galatians, they served many gods, right? They, they served everything. They worshipped everything. And Paul is saying, you know, when you did not know God, or some people that don't know God, or some of you that will know God, when you did not know God, you're enslaved, you're stuck in your habits, your patterns, your death cycles, foolish behaviors, addictions, and we can relate to this. You're enslaved by those by nature or not God's. But Paul says something radically here. He said, worshiping anyone or anything other than God is slavery. Think about it. You're like, I don't do that. Well, hang on. 1 Corinthians 10, 20, let me put it this way. Paul says another way. He said, no, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want to participate with demons. So this is the picture the Galatians were getting. That, and we know this. By nature, human beings are worshipers, right? We are hardwired to attribute ultimate worth or, or value to someone or something that's bigger than ourselves. It could be religion. It could be a hobby. It could be a political system. It could be a philosophy. It could be a sport. It could be a job. But everyone worships someone or something that's bigger than themselves 
and looks for ultimate meaning, don't we? And what Paul's saying, Paul's saying that is demonic. And it's shocking, but think about it. The demons know we're built to worship. And they're delighted if we worship anyone or anything but Christ, aren't they? They don't really care what it is, who it is, as long as it's not God. So here's what Paul's saying. He's saying Satan is setting you up. Okay, get this picture. Satan sets people up through pride, through addiction, through woundedness, through selfishness, whatever the case may be. And Jesus got you out of this horrific relationship with that. And now you're going back to that. He got you that which was life, and now you're going back to life-taking. You're doing the the demonic lifestyle. Let me just say this this morning, and we've said this all this series through Galatians. If it's not Jesus, it's going to be unholy. Jesus plus anything plus nothing equals everything, right? And so now you know Jesus, but you're free now. Right? I don't have to do that no more. I belong to Jesus. We don't have to do the old lifestyle, the old patterns. I get a new life, right? But Paul's saying, you read this, he's like, why are you going back to that lifestyle? Why would you ever willingly put yourself back in a prison? Why would you go back to the jail? You see Paul's following heart here. He's saying, hey, guys, this is, this is where I was. This has been the message all along. I was where you were. I was a law-based life. I was trying to earn my way to heaven. I was trying to be good enough. I was trying to make God happy. And then I met Jesus. I would never go back, right? I would never go back to that lifestyle. And so he's saying, listen, don't go backwards, go forward. But here's the question. So if you believe our war is not just against powers that are seen, but are unseen, then our war is not just against flesh, flesh, blood, and quote uh, Ephesians chapter 6, but powers, principalities, and spirits, then when you're having some sort of interpersonal conflict with somebody, just ask yourself, I wonder what Satan is doing in this relationship. Okay, that's what I want to get us to. Because this is pretty powerful if we grab hold of this, Okay. So don't underestimate the demonic world. And this is why this is so important. This is why we're talking about this. Because maybe, just maybe that person that you're having that conflict with, maybe Satan has led them to believe a lie. Maybe that person you're in conflict with, maybe Satan is tempting them and they're giving in to temptation. Maybe that person you're having conflict with, maybe Satan has deceived them. And they think they're doing the right thing. And so now you're going against war to this person. So get this picture, right? You have an argument with this person. You're just in conflict. I mean, you're just words all out and everything. And you think your war is with that person. All along, Satan is sitting there just laughing his head off. The enemy's laughing because why? Why? Because you're, you're angry at this person when he's doing all the work. When Satan's letting them to lead to believe the lies. When Satan's gotten in their head and they don't know which way's up, which way's down. And so you're mad at them when all along you don't ignore the demonic in this life. Why? Because we're in a spiritual battle, aren't we? Don't ever forget that we are in a spiritual battle. That means there's forces at work for your soul, for their soul. 
And so we don't forget that. So when you're going to war, somebody just hit the grace break and say, hang on a second. What lies an enemy have they believed? How has the enemy started to distort their vision of reality? What are they thinking right now? My war is not with that person. My war is that person, but with that person. Put it this way. Have you, and I know none of you guys ever do this, but have you ever had conflict at work? And you come home, and your poor spouse is the first person you see, and your spouse takes the brunt of that conflict, don't they? And then it causes war in the home, right? And so now you're mad, they're mad, everybody's mad, the kids don't even want to come in the room because they know parents are mad, so this will be quiet right now. And so you're going to battle with your spouse all along. Your war is not with your spouse, your war is with your work, but you brought it home. Now it's here. That's the enemy. Your war is not with that person you're conflicting with. It's with the enemy. And realizing there's a demonic force at work trying to mislead, misguide, and destroy souls in this world. So never ignore, never forget there's a demonic force at work. And what this will do, maybe this will give you compassion and clarity. So you know my war is not against you, our war is against the enemy. And so how do we work on grace-based relationships so that we can get rid of all the unhealthy and unholy and, and all that junk? Don't overlook the demonic in your life. And I'm not saying that person you're battling with is filled with a demon spirit. They, they could be. It's not out of the room possibilities. What I'm saying is the enemy likes to, remember, for your own self, you know the enemy likes to tell you who you are. The enemy likes to tell you you're a loser. The enemy likes to tell you you're no good. The enemy likes to tell you you're not talented. You're this, you're that. We know that as Christians because we battle that every day. Imagine what the world of unsaved people battle every day. The enemy telling them who they are. You'll never be. You're just like your dad. You'll never be this. You're never that. You're never good enough. Come on. We know this to be true in our hearts. This is what we battle so we don't overlook the demonic. Verse 19, he, he, he compares what he's feeling with the anguish of childbirth. And it's funny, Paul, a man, comparing himself to a mother who's given birth for a second time. And I'm sure there's no mothers in here, no matter how great your child is, would want to give birth a second time to that same child. But uh, that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying that it's almost like going back and beginning and going through this pain again. Because what, what they're doing, he finds himself in anguish, perplexed, because what's going on, it's, it's like, it, he says, it's like parenting. And we all know, those of your kids, you know parenting is very simple, right? You have a child, you devote the next 40 years of your life to sacrificing everything you have for that child. Very simple, right? And Paul's saying that's, that's how grace-based relationships is. We know it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy to continually show that person grace when, let's be honest, they don't deserve it. Right? But we understand, we understand the grace-based relationship that our Father showed us. That we never forget that. Because that's what we're going to show other people. We never get to the place where like, well, you know, I've been this 30 years. Now I got the 30-year Sunday school pin. No. That person that is, has your number, you were that person to God at one time. 
And so we remember all that Christ did for us. Paul just wants the best for them. Paul's reminding them that law doesn't start a relationship with God, that grace starts a relationship with God. You started in grace, it should remain in grace, it should never remove the law. That law-based relationship did not introduce you to God. Paul's saying you started with a healthy relationship, continue with that relationship, lead with grace. I want to wrap this up. I want to ask the words of team if they'll come on up for me. So bottom line, your relationship with God starts in faith. And if you have a relationship that's based in fear, it's ungodly. That's really as honest as I can be this morning. If you have a relationship with God, the master, slave, you're out of fear, come to church out of fear, paying your tithes out of fear, that's an unholy, ungodly relationship. How do I know this? Because the Bible tells me God has not given me a spirit of fear. The spirit of fear is the opposite of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings faith. The Holy Spirit brings fear. And you know what holds us all together? Jesus' grace. That he's working on you. He's working on me. That means he's got a lot of work to do, but he's working on us, right? And it's that grace that holds us together. And, and the grace of Jesus allows us to have a conversation how to love each other and have a relationship with Jesus at the center. And so we get that relationship with our Father right. It's grace-based. He, it's all grace. I can never be good enough. I can never do, do enough. I can never give enough. I can never be enough to make myself right in front of God. So I know it's grace. So I got that. Now I take this grace-based relationship I have with Jesus, and I start to figure out how to have grace-based relationship with other people in my life. And that's where Paul's getting us to be in this section. I want you to stand with me this morning. I'm going to close. This morning, if you're in here, and you, I want to ask you that question I asked last week. Your relationship with God are you a son or are you a slave? Are you a son or are you a slave? Do you have a list of standards you have to try to meet in order to worship? Maybe you came in here this week and maybe you got angry. Maybe you lost your temper last week. So you came into worship service. We had phenomenal worship this morning, but maybe you sat there like this this morning because you didn't feel worthy enough to worship. If that's you, maybe you got that slave relationship. Because that's the law saying you're not worthy. God says you are. Right? So let's start. Are you a son or are you a slave? And this morning, you have a chance to be a son. The Father says you haven't gone too far. The Father says he's chasing after you. The Father has, look at all I've done just for you. Because I want to know you. You have a chance to know the Father this morning. You have a chance to step out of that master relationship and come know the Father. So we're going to open that up to you. But then now that we know grace, now we can start asking the Holy Spirit, give me grace for those around me. So the next thing I want to do, I want you to think right now 
I want you to think of somebody, maybe you had words with this last week or the last month. Maybe there's somebody in your life you have conflict with. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's somebody in your family. You had some heated arguments with this person. I want you to picture them in your head. Now that you got that person, I want to ask you to do one thing for me. ask you to take a bold step I want you to come down front you can stand, you can kneel I want you to bring that person to Jesus this morning I want you to ask Jesus to give you grace and to give you an opportunity to show the grace to that person that you have conflict with so this morning if you're tired of serving a master you want to know a father and I understand Maybe there's someone here that you don't have a good relationship with your father. So when I say that, maybe it, it grates on you a little bit. But can I just say you've never known a father like God? God will never let you down. God will never disappoint you. God will never take advantage of you. That's the father I want to introduce you to this morning. So if you want to know the father, I'm going to ask you to come forward. But then secondly, I would like to challenge every one of us to bring somebody to the altar this morning. Somebody you've had conflict with, somebody that maybe you need to say, all right, I don't need a conversation. I just need to forgive them. I just need to let them know I forgive them. Or maybe somebody you say, God, Holy Spirit, give me. You're going to have to do a miracle. Let me show them grace. Give me opportunity to show them grace. Would you come this morning and bring them to Jesus this morning?